0: for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the salvation of the lost and the revival of God's people. I'm Alan Mashburn, your Bible teacher and the pastor of Asbury Baptist Church, located at 218 Asbury Church Road in Seagrove, North Carolina. We invite you to visit our church at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. On Sunday evenings we provide online services which can be viewed on gospeldynamite.org. Now please join me in the study of the Word of God. You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. I invite you to take your Bible and turn with us to Romans chapter 16 verses 3 through 5 as we look at a household of faith. Romans chapter 16, verses 3 through 5. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Eponidas, who is the firstfruits of, of Achaia unto Christ. A person cannot read through the Bible without encountering several wonderful families mentioned on its pages. There's that little family in Bethany made up of Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. They were a great blessing to the Lord Jesus. There's also Timothy's mother and grandmother, Eunice and Lois, and the great impact they made on young Timothy. There's the family of Mary and Joseph where the Lord Jesus grew up and lived out his early years. What a family that must have been. In this passage, we're invited to inspect another great family. And so far as we know, this family was made up of just a husband and a wife. Their names were Aquila and Priscilla. This couple is one of the greatest families recorded in the word of God. These folks are mentioned six times in four books of the Bible. Each time, they're mentioned by Paul himself, and this indicates that they were very special to him in his life and his ministry. And if we will, we'll take the time to investigate the pages and the passages dedicated to this special household of faith. We'll see the attributes that make them stand out among the families of their time. I first want you to see and take the experiences in the testimony of the Bible concerning Aquila and Priscilla and show the attributes they possess that make them stand out as a family of distinction. For first I would have you see they were a household of believers. If we'll take the time to look at the passages concerning these folks, we can learn who they were and how they came to know God and how they came to serve Jesus Christ as a household of faith. They're first mentioned in Acts chapter 18 and verses 1 through 3, which reads, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because at Claudius, had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. Because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought. For by their occupation, they were tent makers. They were a family of distinction. These three verses give us some insight into just who these people were. We're told in verse 2 that Aquila was a Jew that had been born in Pontus and who had at some time migrated to Rome. So he is a Jewish man. Priscilla, on the other hand, bears a Latin name indicating that she is probably Roman by birth and possibly a Gentile. There was a Roman family that was very socially prominent about this time that had several female members by the name of Priscilla. Actually, it is Prisca in the native tongue. There's also a church called St. Priscilla, and an ancient cemetery graced with her name as well. If this is true, then it may be that when Aquila moved to Rome, he met and married a Roman socialite named Priscilla. As a result, she would probably have been ostracized by her family and would have become a social outcast. I would add this as a side note for our young people. Young people need to be very careful about their choice of marriage and their choice of marriage partners. When you marry someone, you marry their families as well. Therefore, observe their backgrounds very carefully. Also, be careful if you are a believer and not to marry someone who is not a believer. And to do anything else is to violate the clear command of our Lord in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. And it is to invite trouble to be a permanent resident of your home. But this family was not only a family of distinction, it was a family of dif- difficulties because the Bible says in verse 2 Claudius, the Roman emperor, was seeking to reinstitute and recreate new interest in the old Roman religions, and as a result, he hated all religions that were not Roman in origin. And he's remembered especially for his hatred of the Jews. And he issued a command that all Jews were to be expelled from Rome. And this edict forced Aquila and Priscilla to leave the city and find a new place to live. Certainly this move placed great hardships on their family. But Aquila and Priscilla were not alone. Every family I know anything about is a family that problems exist of some variety. Think about it. The average American family deals with problems related to economics, materialism, pagan influence, etc. If there are children in the home, the problems are not only compounded daily, but they're compounded by the pressures that they face in school from society and from their peers. One of the greatest problems facing the families of our world is spiritual. Oh, we like to call them everything except what they truly are. We call them cultural issues, differences. We call them political issues. We call it racism. But in reality, the greatest problems facing America, and the greatest problems facing the church, and the greatest problems facing the home are all spiritual problems. While families are not Christians and do not allow Jesus Christ into their homes, they're headed for trouble. And I don't see how they can make it through the average day without him. We need someone who can bond us together as a family, who can help us weather the terrible storms that blow against the family from every angle. No family is without trouble. No family is without problems. But no family should ever be without Jesus Christ. Some of you are alone in your home. You're the sole voice for righteousness. There are times when you get discouraged and must feel like quitting. Let me encourage you just a little. You will never know what an influence of your life is having on those around you. So keep on living for Christ. Keep on living for Jesus Christ. Keep on going to church. Be faithful to God and trust him to effect change in the hearts of your loved ones. This family was also a family of destiny because what on the surface must have appeared as a tragedy was used of the Lord in a remarkable way. When this couple was forced to leave Rome, they traveled east toward Corinth. There they met a man who had traveled from the east named Paul. And maybe Aquila and Paul met in the synagogue, but wherever their paths must have crossed, it was not a coincidence. When Paul discovered that this couple were of the same profession as himself, he formed a partnership with them. He moved into their home and they worked together to provide for their needs. And as they worked, there's a little doubt that Paul shared the story of a Jew named Jesus Christ who died for their sins and the sins of the world. And as he shared with them, they were converted, and they came to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And what had started out as a tragedy in their lives turned to be the greatest blessing that they had ever experienced because that is the providence of God. May we never forget as we fight the battles of life that God is working all things out according to his good pleasure, according to his will. What looks so bad at the beginning may well turn out to be a blessing in the end. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Think of how the Lord moved in your life to get you in a place where you could hear the gospel message. His providence is a mighty, mighty thing. Thank God that he will move heaven and earth, if necessary, to reach us for his glory. Can you truly say that you are a Christian and that your home is a Christian household? because they were also a household with burdens. When a family is serving the Lord as they should be, there will develop within that family a burden for the things of God. He will impress his work upon their hearts, and we'll see that lived out in the lives of Aquila and Priscilla. They develop a burden for God's work. Romans chapter 16 and verse 3, Paul calls them his helpers in Christ Jesus. Paul is not talking about making tents here. He's talking about the work of the Lord. He says that they are his partners in the business of serving God. Notice that they even uprooted themselves again to travel with Paul, for several years, according to Acts chapter 18, verses 18 and 19. Perhaps the nature of their business forced them to move around some, but I think they just went with Paul to be a blessing to the man of God. It appears that they had a special relationship with Paul. There's not one single word of contention recorded between them whatsoever. Remember, Paul was no stranger to trouble. He didn't go seeking it, but he had no problem confronting it. Paul had to confront Peter face to face over doctrinal issues in Galatians 2 and verse 11. He and Barnabas had a disagreement that was so deep that it caused them to part ways in Acts chapter 15 and verse 39. He refused to allow John Mark to travel with him at one point in Acts chapter 15 and verse 38. He rebuked Euodius and Syntyche about their disagreements in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2. He even records the fact that a man named Demas had forsaken him in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 10. Now, we don't know the reasons behind all of these situations, but it's safe to say that some of Paul's relationships were rocky. Yet even though Paul lived with this couple, he worked with them, he worshiped with them, there's not the slightest hint of a problem between them. I'm going to tell you, when you have people like Aquila and Priscilla in the ministry, it is a blessing. Thank God for these people, and thank God for people like them who will not add to the burden of the man of God, but who will help him as he labors for the Lord. It's also worthy to note that this couple faithfully served the Lord wherever they were. Now, there's some people who are active in a church, and then they have to move to another place. And when they get there, they just want to sit in the pews and do nothing. What a shame. What a waste. There's never a time to sit down on him and quit. We're going to build a church for the glory of God. It's going to have to take strong families. There'll have to be some who will get behind the work and help it go forward. And as this couple ministered in Ephesus, they encountered a man by the name of Apollos. The story of that encounter is found in Acts chapter 18, verses 24 through 28. He was a great speaker with a great ability, and he also knew the Old Testament scriptures very well, and he was able to open them a declarative message. He was bold, even entering into the synagogues to preach to the Jews, but he was a man with an incomplete message. His message stopped with John the Baptist. He was still preaching about the Messiah who was to come, not realizing that he had already come. Apparently, Apollos knew nothing of the death and the resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus. He didn't even know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And as God would have it, his path crossed that of Aquila and Priscilla. And when they heard him speak, they realized that he had never heard the whole truth. They invited him home for dinner. And they explained the word of God to him more perfectly, that is, more thoroughly, more completely. And I believe Apollos received the message and was converted. And as he went on his way, he was mightily used of the Lord because one family had a burden for the word of God. In fact, he got so good that a bigger church called him. Now, what's the point of all this? Well, There are a couple of lessons here this couple can teach us about a willingness to share what we have learned with others. Number one, as they worked, this couple was able to hear Paul teach and preach the word of God. And as a result, they learned much more about the deeper things of God than others were even exposed to but they did not keep these things to themselves. They used what they had learned to disciple others in the things of God. And so it should be with us. Jesus never called us to be always taking in. Instead, he called us to be rivers, letting the water of his love and word flow from us to help others in this world. Secondly, I'd point out, They did not grow smug and snobbish in their learning. They didn't look down their noses at Apollos because he didn't know as much as they did about the things of God. Instead, they opened their hearts and they shared with him. Instead of laughing at the ignorance of another believer, maybe we ought to take them aside and help them grow in the Lord. In addition... They did not publicly humiliate this man. They took him into the privacy of their home and they taught him the truth. There are people who will hear a preacher preach and go home and mock him before their children. They'll make fun of the mistakes he made. They will ridicule his lack of learning. They'll make fun of him and paint him as a buffoon and as a joke. Then when their children grow up and won't go to church, and they go in all different directions away from God, they wonder why. The answer lies in the fact that mom and dad created a bad taste in their own children's mouths for the things of God. By the way, you'd better be careful when it comes to what you say about a man of God, instead of trying to hurt him, you need to try to be a blessing to him. And I encourage you to read Psalm 105 and verse 15 regarding that note. That's what people need to do. There are many preachers who are in different levels of learning, levels of education, Levels of depth. When a preacher isn't as deep as you think he should be, don't ridicule him, don't talk about him, don't mock him. Love him and pray for him and seek to help him grow in the Lord. Be a blessing, not a stumbling block to God's preachers. And in addition, I'd say to God's preachers be a student of the Word of God. While all of these preaching meetings and fellowship meetings, they may be important and have their place, and I do not demean them. We are called to be stewards of the Word. We're called to live in the Word, and let's do our part to do so. Now, Aquila and Priscilla had a burden to be God's witnesses, And Paul tells us this in Romans 16 and verse 4 that this couple had put their own necks on the line for Paul. We're not told exactly what they did, but they were willing to lay down their own lives for the man of God so that he could finish his course. They must have loved him greatly, they must have loved him deeply must have had great respect for him. And evidently, this couple was a bold witness for the cause of Christ. By the way, the word witness comes from the Greek word that we know to be martyr, has the basic meaning of one who's willing to lay down his life for what he believes. This totally described Aquila and Priscilla. Does it describe us? There's one thing the church in America needs, it is for her members to be more bold in their witness. What used to go on in the back dark alleys of America has now come on the forefront in the main street of the towns and cities of our country because we no longer have a bold witness for Christ. They no longer fear God because we no longer portray that we fear God. They no longer have respect for the church because we have lost our respect for God and his assembly. Thus, we've lost our power. We've lost our influence. Oh, it didn't happen overnight. It's been happening all along, and here we are. And I hope we'll all come to the place where we're willing to lay down our necks for the gospel if it becomes necessary. No wonder God used this family so mightily. By the way, he wants to do the same thing for you and our families today. But I'd also point out that they were a household of Blessings. Romans chapter 16 and verse 5 speaks of the church that is in their house. This little phrase reveals a couple of blessings that were enjoyed by this great Christian family. What we know about this couple is that they were faithful witnesses of the gospel. And when they won some folks to the Lord, they formed them into a church, and they even opened their home for believers to have a place of worship. They didn't need buildings. They didn't need heating and air conditioning. They didn't need padded pews and carpeting. These early believers had the Son of God. They had the Word of God. They had the Spirit of God and the children of God. And that was all they needed and all they wanted for worship. They knew a secret that we have forgotten. That is, worship is not about rituals. It's not about formality. It's not about buildings. And no, friend, it's not even about great crowds. Worship is about God's people gathering to worship God in the fellowship of his son Jesus through the power of the Spirit and by the word of God. And we've lost that in America. And may we remember that true worship is about us loving the Redeemer in an intimate way. Hey, we don't need all these trappings that we have around us today. Why do we need all this stuff? I'm thankful for it, but all we need for true worship is what we have already been given in the Lord Jesus. So whether we're on carpet or sawdust or padded pews or homemade benches, whether we light with fluorescent or kerosene or LED, what really matters is that Jesus Christ is the focus of our meetings and the sole object of our hearts, and God help us to return to the simplicity of true biblical simplistic worship. this phrase also makes it clear that even though they had a church in their house, they also had a church in their hearts. Even if this couple had met somewhere else to worship on the Lord's day, they would still have had a church in their house. They would have worshiped at home. They would have prayed at home. They would have met God at home. And this proves that they were sincere about what they were doing. Friend, if all you have is what you have at church, then you don't have a thing. You need to have a church in your house. Your house should be as much as a place of worship as is a church house. Is your house a a place of personal worship? It should be. God help us to live in a state of worship for his glory day after day. And I think it's been clearly demonstrated that this was a special family. They demonstrated a burden for the Lord's work and were greatly used by God in those days. They were so influential in Paul's life that when he was about to be put to death, he was making his final statements. He makes a special effort to greet Aquila and Priscilla in 2 Timothy. 4 and verse 19, and may God help each of us to seek to be all we can be for his glory. Our lives should be lives just like these two special believers, lives that God can use for his glory and make a difference in his kingdom. Is your family that kind of family? Is your life that kind of life? It can be if you'll give it back to God. He is worthy of your life. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We trust it's been a blessing. Trust you'll have a great week in the Lord. Log on to our website, gospeldynamite.org and let us know if you've accepted Christ or this message has helped you. God bless you and we trust you have a great day in the Lord.